Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women, with your host, Barbara Troutline. Welcome. I'm Dr. Barbara Troutline, Principal and Chief Catalyst at Change Catalysts, home of the CQ System for Developing Change Intelligent Leaders and Organizations. I'm thrilled to be a host for Women in Manufacturing, along with my six amazing co-hosts. The conversations we're having with exceptional women in STEM fields is mission critical for organizations to ensure all voices are heard and able to contribute in this time of massive disruption across industries around the globe. And of course, it's of vital importance for women and girls and men and boys too to achieve success in life and work. Please do continue to engage in this conversation by following us online at womenandmfg.com and on Twitter, too. Our conversation today will focus on how manufacturing is a broad, exciting field and how women can succeed by taking one step at a time and enrolling support of other women and men, family, and the government, too. I'm honored to be joined today by Professor Jan Chow. Professor Chow is the Cardis Collins Professor of Mechanical Engineering at Northwestern University. She's also the director of the Northwestern Initiative for Manufacturing Science and Innovation and serves as Associate Vice President for Research. Professor Chow holds a PhD in Mechanical Engineering from MIT, and her major research areas include innovative manufacturing processes and systems. Her current research focuses on the cyber-physical systems, a flexible dialysis forming, laser processes for ablation and additive, and composites forming, which have direct impact on high-efficiency manufacturing, surface engineering, and rapid prototyping. She's published over 300 technical articles, including over 150 journal articles, 14 book chapters, and over 10 patents. She's given over 125 invited talks, and she's established many first records as a woman researcher in manufacturing. I'll just highlight one, which is that Professor Chow was the first U.S. woman fellow elected to the International Academy of Production Engineers since it was, a found, since it was founded in 1951. She's also the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Materials Processing Technology. She served as the president of the SME North American Manufacturing Research Institute and chair of ASME Manufacturing Engineering Division. She's a board member of M-Hub, Chicago's first innovation center focused on physical product development and manufacturing. So please join me in welcoming Professor Chow. Welcome. Barbara, thank you very much, and it is my great pleasure to be here. We have a fabulous bio, and we're just thrilled to have you with all the contributions you've made to both women and manufacturing. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience to kick us off that wasn't shared in your bio? Oh, um, I will also say that uh, I have two children, and they're one boy and one girl, and both of them are in mechanical engineering. Ah, okay, so they're inspired by your story, and we look forward to being inspired by it, too. Um, so tell us, what do you think uh, contributed both to your entering the fields and now uh, of, of manufacturing? What were some of those early influences? Clearly, you were a major one on your children. What were some early influences on you that, uh, that maybe uh, encouraged you to go in this direction? I would say my parents, 
and uh, my father, uh, he he's now retired. He was a professor for um, automotive engineering uh, in uh, back in the 1960s, 70s. Um, and my mom was a chemical engineer, and uh, she was running her you know, uh, textile company. Not not running, but really the technical, uh, the technical chief of that, uh, the CTO of the textile company. So that was quite inspiring. Uh, and both of them encouraged me to, you know, go for the engineering and uh, just go for it. Well, that's fabulous that you had those role models and, um, you know, even back in the 60s and 70s, your mom working in a, you know, engineering field full time. Um, that must have been, again, something that really shaped your career path. And I know that you have some very interesting um, thoughts about the whole field of manufacturing more broadly. And you have, uh, I, I'd love to hear you, you share with the audience how you define manufacturing as a, as a field. Yeah, um, I do think manufacturing is an integration platform, and uh, it's like uh, if you're going to the, it's like going to the candy store. There are so many different varieties and so different, and you can sure find something that you will enjoy. Uh, so if you think about the manufacturing, we take the ideas, energy, and uh, resources, right, and then convert it and doing the value added it. And you change the material, you change the format, you change, uh, add the value, and then give it another product. So throughout this entire process, there are so many different things could uh, are playing the role. And so that's why I think it's, a, it's a, such an integration platform. It needs certainly mechanical engineering, which is my field, um, but also chemi- chemistry, physicists, computer science, uh, marketing, you name it. I think that's fabulous. I've never heard it described uh, manufacturing as a candy store before. I just love that visual image and how you talk about it as an integration platform and all the variety that there is within the field. Unless you're in the field, Professor Chow, how would one know that? I mean, how can we go about uh, sharing that manufacturing is not just machinery? Yeah, so the society of uh, well actually right now if you think about the manufacturing um, the the patterns that generated by manufacturing field it's 90% of the patterns are in the manufacturing field um, and then also uh, 7%, uh, 70%, 70% of the private R&D was spent in the related to the manufacturing so I think uh, the show that you are doing, as well as uh, the broader la- uh, landscape that we can talk to the kids about what the manufacturing is, are all important factors um, to contribute to this uh, broad image of manufacturing. And uh, recently, actually, the um, U.S. has established 14 manufacturing institutes uh, these, these are the early stage uh, manufacturing institutes that uh, aim to 
you know, take the R&D results or, and uh, convert it and help companies. And if you look at those 14 institutes, the topics are pretty wild. Um, they are certainly digital manufacturing and innovation in Chicago and uh, textile uh, engineering, uh, flexible electronics, uh, photonics. So, you, so there are so many different varieties. That is very exciting, and I agree with you that the opportunity exists to, uh, you know, to communicate those that those exist, those new forms exist, those institutes, and and how again, as you say, everything from electronics to textiles that people might not even realize that we're funding and that is making an impact in the, uh, you know, in globally, but also in just the, you know, focusing on the U.S. manufacturing base, shall we say. Um, mm-hmm. So that is, yeah. So, so what what do you think that we can do to shift some mindsets and behaviors that would be useful to attract and prepare and retain um, women and girls in manufacturing fields? The open house um, talk to the kids in the early stage, and uh, uh, I think. It would be interesting if we have a TV show <laughs> also ah. about the, the, the manufacturing life. So there are many things, for example, uh, how things were made over the TV. Those are exciting. Uh, even when you talk about food manufacturing, right, that's also about the manufacturing. If you look at how we uh, created, uh, you know, peanut butter, and that's a lot of uh, lot of uh, engineering in there to to have this mass production and the going to the job. Um, and if you see the beverage can flying in the in the sh- in the uh, manufacturing plants, it's quite amazing. So I think those kind of uh, um, show and will help the kids to realize, yeah, yeah, there are many things associated with manufacturing. I love that and how you talked about making it really relevant for things that they know about, uh, bringing it right down mm-hmm. to the level of their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> and showing them <laughs> kind of a behind-the-scenes look. I like that idea, kind of a, a day in the life of a manufacturing engineer, right? Um, that oh, is uh, yeah, meeting, meeting the kids where they are. Yeah, yeah, that would be a really good show, A Day in Life. Yep, I like your title. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Absolutely. Well, fabulous. Well, I know that you particularly have done so much, Professor Chow, to mentor um, girls and women. And in your lab, you have a high percentage of women students. Why do you think that is, and is that unique? That's a very good question. Um, Yeah, 33% of the PhD students, doctoral students in you know, manufacturing lab are women. Uh, if you look at uh, the national average for all the engineering PhD, it's probably just about 20%. So and maybe even less, much less in manufacturing, you know, uh, labs. So the question is, why do we have, you know, double the number? Um, is it because I'm a woman so that more women will come to my lab or is it because new incoming students see more women in my group and then say, hey, that seems to be okay. I can do that. <laughs> I don't know. I think both are a factor. Um, and to me, for example, uh, I talked about my parents, 
My mom is a really good inspiration for me. And also the other women, that are the two others I want to highlight, are also critical in my, in my career path. One was my um, former PhD thesis advisor, Professor Mary Boyce, and uh, so when I was at MIT, and she was a, a professor at MIT and the head of the mechanical engineering uh, department there, and now she's the dean of the engineering at Columbia University. So I was one of her um, for like a few early PhD students, and she has graduated so many women PhD students are now also being a faculty somewhere else. Uh, at one point, we talked about this, you know, women engineering and women manufacturing, and she said, you know, I, I'm doing this, you know, I'm growing the women PhD students, and then you will also go out and then uh, educate the others. So I think this rippling effect uh, is very important, and I took her thoughts very seriously, and therefore when I started my own group, I, you know, pay definitely pay special attention to talented women, encourage them, and that's part of the reason probably there are more women, uh, percentage of women in in our uh, in my manufacturing group. I think, uh, you know, one help the others. That's uh, that's certainly a factor. Um, there's another, of course, when they see their peers in the in the group, they feel also more comfortable maybe um and uh, uh this is this is like the mother daughter sister effect right uh so we are all helping with each other um and it's not just a woman you know i think it's also important for um you know underrepresented minority students in the group to see the same thing that uh, there are so many talents coming from all these different directions it's kind of fun to work in an environment that has both men and women and uh, different minority students. It's kind of fun, right? Absolutely. That's right. Just as you have a very broad definition of manufacturing as an integration platform and a candy store, um, similarly with the, uh, with the people that you, that you work with there. I know you've done um, a great deal both for women and, as you mentioned, um, minorities, um, you know, integrating your Asian and American heritage and helping out students that come from abroad internationally. Um, so quite the wide ranging. I love the, yeah, I love the idea of the ripple effect producing a sea change. And, uh, and again, the whole idea of paying it forward. Yeah, we have like over eight different countries right now in our manufacturing group. It's really fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so what, and you know, and it's so interesting because we talk about the benefits of diversity both for, as we, you know, remember back from what was it, the 1970s even when uh, Rosabeth Moss Cantor wrote The Men and Women of the, of the Corporation and uh, could have even been earlier than that. And, and you know, we started talking about the, uh, the, the idea of tokenism and the need to have at least, I believe the statistic was, you know, if we don't see mm. 12%, right, of, of women of a particular group, women, a minority group, then it is very difficult for one to have one's voice heard and feel um, included and supported and so uh, so you're right mm -hmm. success breeds success when you're getting up to the percentages that you have a, a third of the people in your lab being women 
um, then that, you know, that mutual support, it, um, uh, we can really see it take off. And, and one thing we talk about, not just the impact on the individuals, uh, but also the, you know, again, the heterogene- heterogeneity of ideas and the creativity that gets sparked when uh, people from those different backgrounds come together. I'd be interested in your observations around that, especially since that is fundamentally what you do. You're, you know, a modern alchemist, right, bringing all these different uh, resources and materials together and creating something new that's never been done before. So what could you say on that front? Uh on what front? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. That was a, that was a confusing question. So let me restate. Um, uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear, Professor Chow, you talk about what you've seen in terms of when you get those people from eight different countries and men and women and uh, from diverse backgrounds together and the, you know, uh, kind of what it feels like to be in that kind of creative cauldron, uh, what the process is like and, and what, what the outcomes are like. Yeah, um, so definitely, so well, I, I would restate that, uh, you know, um, people from different backgrounds, because I have the Asian her- heritage, and then we have students from, uh, from Africa, from Colombia, from Italy, from China, Korean, Japan, India, you name it, right? So uh, each country, actually, when students come from different countries, they also bring their heritage in, and uh, each country has a different culture. Uh, take uh, Chinese culture as an example. For example, a long time ago, there was an uh, emperor, and he mentioned that in one's life you have three mirrors. Um, one mirror, of course, is just a regular mirror, which he tells you how you dress, right, how, and how, how do you look? The other mirror is history. To look at the history and you can see what has been done, what's right, what's wrong, and uh, use that to help you learn. And in our, literature, in our research side, that part is basically the literature that has already been published, and then you learn from the previous knowledge. And the third mirror is actually people. The, the colleague that you work with and who can actually tell you, um, frankly, what would be what things that you have done great, what things you have done, you know, not so good, but it could make some improvement. And sometimes maybe the things that you didn't want to hear, but, you know, particularly, you know, keeping in mind that he was an emperor, right? And you know how at the ocean Asian times, you know, if you, if you annoy the emperor, you could be headed, right? So he stated very importantly that, you know, you need to hear those criticisms. And those criticisms are really important for the growth of a person of a country, right? So it's kind of like uh, if you think about now, this is what democracy is about, right? So you have the, all the voices, different voices heard. Uh, and then in that process, you get the best out of it. Um, so similar thing, you know, when we are doing, um, that's the big country point of view, but nevertheless, you know, daily life, it's also similar. You, you have the three mirrors, the mirrors of the, um, just for, you know, appearance, the mirror for the knowledge, the mirror for how how each other should, how, you beha- how one behaves and how one uh, acts, right? 
Um, so when we have these big uh, kind of the lab with people coming from different countries, they're also bringing different knowledges and different heritage. And that's what I think is it's very important uh, for our group to grow. And uh, similarly, you know, once they graduate from here, they also learn something. I love that analogy of the three mirrors. That's a wonderful lens uh, to look at the uh, the world and life through. Absolutely, and it uh, and it's another great manufacturing analogy because what do we know? We know that um, you know healthy manufacturing systems are replete with feedback loops, right? And sometimes those Definitely. feedback loops tell you you're going in the right direction, right? And sometimes those feedback loops tell us that we need to um, error correct. So that's uh, um, so I love that analogy on multiple levels and looking at the whole. Looking at the mentoring that you've done, and you know, for other women, and for uh, and the feedback you've gotten from, especially the role models you mentioned yourself, what do you see as some of the key opportunities or challenges that face women as students, and then as early career professionals in manufacturing? When you've had the opportunity, maybe to turn the mirror back on yourself at times in your career, or you see some of the consistent challenges that other young women face, um, what would some of those be? Yeah. So uh, recently I had a student who actually has been interviewing for a faculty position. And uh, and I think she will, you know, the feedback that we got has been very positive. And um, I'm 99.99% sure that she will get an offer pretty soon, not just one, but multiple ones. So I asked her, I talked to her, I said, so, you know, you have been closing to get what you wanted and can you reflect on the things and see you know what was the most difficult part and she told me that the most difficult part was actually having the mindset that now she could be a professor she could be a faculty she could be standing in front of the students and she said once she overcome these kind of image and the rest becomes so easy so i would say you know i learned it also from her right and uh uh, the most difficult part is actually think, and I would say, uh, just believing in yourself, think you can do it. Um, and uh, for me being there as a faculty, I hope to set up the role model for the women students in my group, as well as other schools. But I think she also taught me something, right? She said very clearly, you know, once you have that image and overcome that, um, she can do it. So I think the confidence uh, that would be the first thing I will mention. Um, the second point, I would say networking. Uh, due to the low number of the women in manufacturing, sometimes it is uh, you can treat this as both an opportunity and a challenge. Um, opportunities that, okay, you are a few women in the crowd, you will be very easily noticed. <laughs> for that reason, right? Um, the challenge is also the same thing uh, because you have very few women in the crowd. So the networking uh, becomes difficult, right? Um, so, uh, for example, i give you an example. Um, let's say the culture of go out for a drink, and I'm mm. not a good drinker, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, so, uh, particularly, you know, 
it, it, here in U.S. is much better. But if you have the collaboration, if you work with the uh, international, uh, like they drink quite a lot. Uh, that's hard to to say. Okay, let's go for a drink and and until very late in the night. Uh, it's hard for me, and I uh, don't know um, about other women, but nevertheless, uh, you know, be busy. You can order water. That's okay. Because <laughs> you go out for a drink. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so keep keep open-minded and uh, networking, I would say, that's also very important. Um, so one thing that I tell all my students when they go to a conference I want them to come back with 10 different names who they have been talking to and uh, who have been, have, 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 it also has to be 10 different names come back, right? 10 new names uh, come back to me and say, hey, who have you met? You know, what did you talk about? No, that's a great specific tactical piece of advice. Um, is the, you know, 10 different names. And, and I like how you said that, that it's an opportunity and a challenge given the numbers. And also just to find your own path, what type of networking works for you, right? Is it around the mm-hmm. water cooler or is it, you know, at the bar? And, um, and you know, kind of advocating yeah. for yourself. I would imagine that that's, that can be a challenge also just, um, uh, you know, to your point, just being your own, uh, you know, developing that self-confidence, that self-image, and then, you know, advocating for what you want, asking and, you know, saying what's working for you in the environment and perhaps what isn't. Right, right, absolutely. Uh-huh. And also, but, as yeah. I understand it, you have an interesting structure in your lab um, with yourself and a co-director who's a man. And that is, a, uh, I would imagine, a, you know, kind of a winning formula for students to have Again, that diversity just in the in the role models that they can reach out to for that kind of advice and feedback. Would you like to say anything about that relationship and that opportunity for students? Oh yes. So I have my good, very good colleague, um, Corey Aman, Professor Corey Aman, and uh, he's in the he's a machining expert, and I'm a forming expert. So uh, when we were talking something together and then when we start to do the laser additive or laser subtractive uh, processes, and because I'm more materials mechanics person and he's more, you know, machine design, and then we came together and put this lab together, which now uh, we build our own machine and our own controller, um, and then you have this, uh, you know, material control and process control, as you mentioned, or integrate together as well as software development. So, um, and then we do this uh, basically, uh, we advise students together. It's kind of like a, now in the lab, you have a father and a mother. <laughs> and the kids, <laughs> the kids, the students will come to you uh, because each one has a different aspect, and then maybe we also have a different working style, and they will find the uh, uh, they will find the the style that works for them, and also get to the other aspects, right? So I think this is a really nice structure. Um, part of this is also because um, both of us travel quite often. Uh, we go to different places to give talks as well as, you know, conferences, visiting companies. 
so um, now with the two of us in a co-lead the lab, students to find a professor who can ask the questions, who can have some directions, the chance of that is still doubled, right? And then mm -hmm. so we can give our students very quick feedback. I know both of us are also on the email all the time. And then sometimes the email works, sometimes your student needs those face-to-face -face time. And the students will get more time with each of us, right? Um, so I think that's uh, actually, and also they get really get a different uh, uh, technical advice as well as uh, you know the the cultural advice. So I think that's kind of neat. Um, and uh, so I, I was also going back to the previous one where you talk about the speed feedback group. Um, I think with this kind of structure, it really brings also a different variety uh, into the lab and, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, let the students find the way, the best areas that they, are, they love, right, and then do a thesis in that. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's a rather unique structure compared to what students would find at different universities or in different departments. And it's interesting that it organically created from the technical need, and then it evolved into having these other benefits that were probably, you know, perhaps unpredicted, but you know, very real and and uh, you know, perhaps even mm -hmm. as important, if not more. So that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, you started talking again about the two of you perhaps functioning like. Uh, mother and father for the students in your lab, and and uh, and we started off the conversation talking about how important your parents were as role models. I was wondering if there's anything else you wanted to say in terms of what you've seen for, um, you know, young women college age or even back in high school. Um, now that you're a mom with two children yourself working, anything else you want to say about the the role of families for women considering manufacturing in STEM fields? Um, work-life balance for fulfilling home life and career. How can parents help? How can spouses help? What can what can families do? Yeah. So um, I, I would say, you know, as stated earlier, so um, self-confidence is very important. It's probably the most important part in knowing that you can do it. The second part is actually uh, you have to work hard and learn from the others and practice. So uh, I talk about my, my mom, and she really um, kind of, she's, she's a very good balancer. You know, if she feels that, you know, I'm a little bit under the weather, she would, uh, uh, she would encourage me. But then if she felt that there was too high in the sky, you know, and then she would say, hey, you know, come down and work hard. You know, you need to do this. So I, I learned mm -hmm. a lot from her. And uh, uh, I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, working hard is another um, quality that uh, has to go with uh, anyone who wants to be successful in their own field. Uh, because there are plenty of, I told my students, there are plenty of smart people out there. Um, and uh, uh, so why one, you know, why one succeed while the other didn't? Probably because uh, uh, a, part, a large part of this is like the, how much time you put in. 
Um, so thinking about athletes, you know, they have to practice also, right? Without practice, how do they be, be, be on the top? Similarly, uh, for any kid, you just need to put hours in there. And the best way to do that is actually find the way you like, what do you love, right? And then you spend the time in there, and that's kind of fun. Um, so that's why I was thinking, you know, when we talk about manufacturing, it is really uh, an integration platform. You have so many different areas going into the manufacturing. So find the piece that you like and then work on it. Um, and, and I think that's important, you know, hardworking um, and uh, one small step at a time. And then eventually you will find uh, it opens up your, your 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 field, and then you know more and more. So many times, uh, I actually heard some of your previous shows, and also talk about starting with the engineering, and then you can move to the marketing, and then the other fields, right? So, uh, but do you know do spend time? So I have to think about the other um, other advice I would give, and then going back to your question to talk about how do you get the other balance and the support system you need. Um, absolutely. So I think uh, once you spend some time in one field, maybe we only have 24 hours in a day, right? So something you have to give away. <laughs> <isn't there? laughs> um, and therefore, you know, many times I tell the others, you know, think about whether you can um, have one stone, you know, hit multiple birds, right? So, for example, uh, just take my field as example, um, because one of the things that uh, as a university professor, we don't just um, teach in the classroom. There are many other things to do. For example, we do research, right, which is you spend time with your graduate students, also write proposals, talking to companies to find out what other problem has not been solved and think about how can I help, and those are the research issues. So it's not in the classroom. But nevertheless, if you think about this, if you're doing the research, finding out those things, then when you bring those knowledge back to the classroom, you get students more involved. So, um, and so that's kind of one activity also hits multiple targets, right? Um, and then if you think about, okay, organize a conference, um, that's part of our service to our community. So when you organize a conference, how about not just organizing a conference, but also let a conference to create a book or create a special issues that focus on the topic you care and that additional product that people will benefit from that. So if you do something like that, just like, you know, if I'm eating dinners with my kids, right, <laughs> and, uh, and then at the dinner table we can talk about something about the career, we can talk about something about the different inspiration coming from uh, an idea, like, uh, for example, you know, maybe I really want to have a closed folding machine, <laughs> which I haven't <laughs> invented yet. <laughs> but it was fun, right? To think about have both ideas coming and say, okay, maybe we can do it. Um, so the, the, to make it uh, integrated into your life uh, and uh, 
So you don't have to do at one time just only for one thing. If you could have multiple things accomplished through the same activity, I think that's the the balance, you know, um, work-life balance. Or just in your career, you can do multiple things to achieve, achieve the goals. Well, there was so much richness in what you just said. Um, you know, thanks for the shout out to the previous episodes of Women in Manufacturing. Uh, I, I totally agree that just the over the last two short months that we've been airing the uh, the wide variety of 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 jobs and careers and career paths that the women who have been interviewed have held have been you know, dizzying. And uh, and I, I like what you said that again. That's you know back to that candy store analogy that taking one step at a time, trying these different aspects, not only of your particular role as a mechanical engineer, but as a professor, as a researcher, as a a conference Mm -hmm. presenter, as a conference organizer, as a book writer. There's just so many areas that even within one slice of manufacturing, that is the opportunity to find areas of passion. Um, And I, I love what you said that if you, again, if you have a passion, that you're going to want to work even hard for it, but it's probably going to seem less like work, right? Um, so yeah, just yeah, putting exactly. yourself out there, you know, putting yourself out there and, uh, and identifying these opportunities, taking advantage of them. And, and then I, I just love that image of you're sitting at the dinner table with your kids and, and facilitating those kind of meaningful conversations and asking those fun, provocative questions. I think that's how we, in, that's how we engage the next generation as well. Well, we just have a few more minutes, um, Professor Chow, and I know that you also, given what you talked about earlier in terms of the, you know, the, the many research institutes that the federal government has set up for innovation and research and development in manufacturing, I know you also have thoughts to share with the audience about government grants available to women small-owned businesses. And I would love to hear you share a little bit more on that front and some specific examples, if you could. Right. Uh, This is actually very much linked to your previous question in terms of how we created the uh, supporting structure to a woman's career in manufacturing. So one of the supporting structure is uh, is resources, funding, right, because uh, if you want to small, start a small business to start to put the ideas together and uh, make it happen, uh, you need resources. So one of the government government program is called uh, SBIR. It stands for Small Business Innovation Research Program. Um, and uh, for those, every agent in a federal agent, if they do uh, fundamental research, then part of the percentage of their money needs to go to those SBIR programs um, and to stimulate small business. For that particular one, there's also a box check to say, is this a woman-owned business in their application form? So certainly the federal government is very much aware of the need for diversity, the need to uh, have be more inclusive, and therefore that the box, if it's a woman-owned business, is defined as 50% of that is owned by one or more women, uh, will be you know will be a special box check, right? And then people will look at if it's the you know um, 
if it is uh, technically competitive and uh, everything looks similar, then have that box check give you further advantage of being funded. Um, therefore, you know, those programs are available at multiple agencies like uh, uh, certainly National Science Foundation, as well as Department of Energy, Department of Defense, uh, and all these different um, federal agencies. Just do a quick search called SBIR, and then you will, uh, those opportunities are there. And even, you know, for example, I talked about the M-Hub, which is a local, um, you know, incubator for, for manufacturing uh, startups. And this is one thing that we are going to, it, it was just, you know, we are t- going to turn to one year old pretty, uh, in, in probably yeah, just this month or next month. <laughs> I forgot the birthday. But anyway, yeah. um, one of the things that we want to do in the next phase is also to teach our uh, startup companies in the incubator about those programs because, and those are the grants. Basically, um, in, uh, there's, there's a zero payback required, and that's so critical when you start a small business, right? And the capital, as we know, is one of those must conditions to move forward. So I highly encourage women to take a look at those opportunities and, uh, um, and, and uh, apply for that. That's wonderful, and we'll definitely include some links both to M-Hub as well as to these um, uh, small business innovation research program uh, um, websites so that people can mm-hmm. access them right from womenandmfg.com. So thanks so much for sharing right. that. That is, as you say, critical on many different many different levels, so that's a, that's a fabulous resource for, for all of us. Um, well, Professor Chow, as we close our show today, um, you know, again, I just want to say thanks so much for sharing all the insights that you have uh, with us. Um, what what key message would you like to leave our audience? Um, ask another way. Is there a challenge or action step that you would pose our listeners today? Yeah. So um, they identify areas that you need improve when you see improvement and find a mentor. Uh, or a peer who can act as your your third mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and networking, identify opportunities. You know, the networking could be networking, the connection through people, as well as those grant opportunities. Uh, and again, go for it. Don't be shy. Uh, there, there, there are. Uh, you know those opportunities out there, and I'm um, pretty sure a lot of people, uh, also program managers of those programs, would love to hear from you. Yeah, fabulous advice. Again, just uh, you know, taking charge of your career, going for it. Um, you know, some of the other advice you shared, taking one step at a time, really exposing yourself to what's out there, different people, different experiences, so that you can really find your passion. And the whole idea that manufacturing is a candy store and it's a no-calorie snack, so go for it. (laughs) 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 That'll be the image that we leave our listeners with today, Professor Chow. Thank you so much. All right, well, thank you very much again for joining us today and taking the time out with everything that you do. 
Um, so in addition to that inspiring call for action, um, please do continue to stay tuned and engage with us at womenandmfg.com and also on Twitter. Till next time, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.